0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 586. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, FarmGrow Flowers. FarmGrow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at FarmGrowFlowers.com. And thank you to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnniesseeds.com. Well, it's dreary and cold in many parts of North America, so I've invited farmer florist Christian Ingalls of Daisy Duke's Flower Farm to warm us up and share her taste of the tropics with us today. But... Rather than tropical flowers, we're in for a treat as Christian teaches us about growing temperate flowers on the Big Island of Hawaii. Her floral enterprise, Daisy Dukes Flower Farm, is located in Papaloa. It's home to a menagerie of animals, fruit trees, and lots of flowers. Daisy Dukes Flower Farm produces temperate annuals, perennials, flowering bulbs, and herb crops, flowers not typically associated with the aloha state. Christian designs florals for weddings, events, and special occasions. She wholesales her flowers and her edible flowers to chefs and florists, retails her flowers to local customers, and produces on-farm events like You Pick Flowers and Workshops. You'll hear the Q&A that I recorded recently with Christian. She also filmed and narrated a 22-minute video tour of Daisy Dukes Flower Farm for us to watch, which you can watch when you log on to our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 586. Together, the interview and the farm tour will transport you to the Big Island of Hawaii. And the exciting potential for growing temperate flowers there. Plus, you'll get a jolt of sunshine just listening to Christian's positive energy. It's contagious. So let's jump right in and meet Christian Ingalls of Daisy Duke's Flower Farm. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Slow Flower Show with Deborah Prinzing. I am so excited today to welcome Christian Ingalls of Daisy Duke's Flower Farm on the Big Island in Hawaii uh, as my guest. Did I get that all right, Christian? Yes. Perfect. All right. Great. Hi. Hello. So excited to be here. Do people call you Daisy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just get that out of the way. What is the name originate? What's the origin of your of your business name?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because my name is Christian. Uh, my first name is Christian, uh, which is typically a boy's name, but my mom named me Christian. It's actually Christian Sion, which is a really long name for a little girl. Wow. Um. And, but I, I'm a first grade teacher. I'm here in my classroom right now. And I love like a play on words. Um. And because I'm in Hawaii and I love fun and energy and pa- positive, passionate stuff. And because I'm here in Hawaii, I often wear this is for real. Uh, either a bikini or little jean shorts when I'm out farming, and um, so I just thought it was just a really fun play on words and uh, a fun name that was catchy.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, that that's sort of the image that comes to mind when you hear <laughs> the name <laughs> Daisy Duke. So, but you have no excuse. Like here, we're we're like gardening and you know Patagonia layers, and you know it's wet, and I mean I know you garden in the rain because you're in a Basically, in a semi monsoon climate, right?
1: Yeah, you know, actually, so I'm in Papaloa, Hawaii, which is just um, just about 25 minutes from Hilo, and Hilo is the rainiest city in the United States. Wow! And I know Seattle rain. I went to Seattle Pacific University actually for my bachelor's degree. Um, and so it's funny when I went to college in Seattle, my graduation party gifts were raincoats and rain boots, and then I had no idea that I was going to transfer, you know, three years later to the rainiest city in the U.S., which is like a hundred inches more per year than Seattle. So wow, it's it's uh, yeah, we you know rain. Yeah, Christian,
0: I went to Seattle Pacific, but I was probably no there when you were in kindergarten. Yes, <laughs> no <way. laughs> Yeah, that that'll be a fun conversation about uh, our mutual experiences. <laughs> Well, we'll do don't that worry. when we when we ask you about your path to flowers. But um, I feel like I know you in a different way now. Um, Yay! Uh, okay, so I, you just are on my radar because you, when you joined Slow Flowers, a couple of years ago I started following you. And, um, of course, we don't have a lot of members in Hawaii. We probably only have f- five or six. So um, you really stood out. And I'm just so fascinated with... the beauty of what you're doing and also I think the assumptions that people have about what can grow in Hawaii and -hmm. what you're growing and Mm -hmm. I just want to know like give us a snapshot of of Daisy Duke's flower farm and then we'll we'll fill in the blanks with all the other millions of questions I have
1: yeah there's so much I could share so Um, yeah. So here's the thing. So when I went when I was living in Seattle, um, kind of what got this thing going about growing main, mainland flowers is what people say. Or a lot of people say I grow wild flowers um, or what this is the one that I think is the funniest. A lot of people here call them spring flowers. And when I hear oh. the term spring flowers, I think tulips and daffodils. I'm like, I don't you know, I I, I grow. And so now. Actually, because our farm and, and a handful of other farms that grow flowers uh, like I do um, here in Hawaii, it's becoming a thing. People are now; it, it, it's being recognized, and so now everybody is um, referring to our flowers as temperate flowers. We're the temperate growers. Yes. That's yeah. the
0: term I I learned that term from uh, Nicole Cordier. Yeah, um, at, because she's she was I kept talking about tropicals, and she's like, no, no, there's tropicals, and then there's temperate uh, flowers that you would consider what would grow in Seattle, for example. Um, Like the dahlia we see behind you in the vase. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned Nicole because Nicole and I are friends and I was just with her this last weekend. But yeah, we, I grow, so we have- um, That's amazing. 800 varieties of dahlias on our farm. Um, And here's what's really funny about dahlias is that, and this is true for almost everything that that we grow on our farm, um, is that you can't follow the rules of what people say, how to grow these things. You just can't because there are so many other variables involved that you really kind of have to wrap your mind around. Um, first of all, we don't really have seasonality like people think of seasonality, but we do have different day lengths,
0: day okay, lengths that makes like everybody sense. around yeah. the
1: world. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and then, and then our temperatures. And so in that you have to kind of break the rules and, uh, and just like even get a little crazy with stuff to try stuff out and see if it'll work. Um, and you know, I don't think there's hardly a thing that I can't grow. I'm not saying they all grow great on our farm. Um, like ranunculus, for example, are, um, you know, I don't get as many stems per plant as mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Yeah. But you so try them. Would... Oh yeah. No, we've, uh, this is my, this will be my fourth year growing ranunculus and anemones. Anemones are fantastic. Um, I, I have no problem with anemones, but ranunculus are a little bit, a little bit trickier. And you know, you know, the thing with ranunculus and anemones is that they're a high cost input for their, and then I'm shipping everything to Hawaii on top of it. So that's where the, that particular crop can get a little tricky.
0: You're shipping, you're in, you're shipping in your corms uh, just, just because there's nobody who's selling them really wholesale to growers on, in, in the state.
1: Well, I mean, I ship, them, I ship them in just like anybody else is shipping them all over the U.S., but I'm paying the shipping to get them to Hawaii versus, yes. you know, on the mainland, which is so much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and I would keep my corms, uh, or, but they, they like rot away. There's nothing left at the end of the season. So there's nothing to keep.
0: Just too much humidity and too much moisture. So uh, when did you, tell us about the farm. Like what is the scope of it in terms of size and when did you start the farm?
1: Yeah. So the farm that we live on is 15 acres. Um, okay. It's at about 1,300 feet elevation. And I think technically we're in zone 12B, which who even knows what that is? It's like not even on the radar. Of anybody. <laughs>
0: I just talked to someone from Alberta, Canada who was in zone thir- three. So
1: it's like, whoa, <laughs> flowers are everywhere. I love it. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. Um, and so in that 15 acres, um, it was, uh, well, okay. So at, I've been growing things, like I said, I've lived on the mainland all over the Pacific Northwest and I have grown um, gardens and things in pots and, you know, dabbled here and there. And then on our farm, um, let's see, I think we purchased that property in 1999. And then slowly we've, it's kind of become my, my, um, like Cinderella. Uh, all of our animals just kind of roam free. It's very utopic. We have a huge pond. Um, and then uh, I realized that I probably should do something that like, has something happening on the farm that like either goes out and comes back you know a way to earn a little extra income or I don't know just a way to share the farm and so I got on this heirloom tomato kick one time where I grew 100 like so I think 100 varieties of heirloom tomatoes it was insane I I just you know I get a little obsessive and um, well you
0: went deep into one category very deep yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and then and then it was flowers were almost by chance um and especially selling the flowers. So. What happened was, is there's another uh, local grower here who at a farmer's market was selling bouquet, beautiful bouquets of flowers. And I think maybe like seven or eight years ago, I would buy her bouquets each week for my classroom right here. And I actually put them in that exact same vase. Oh wow! And I just thought that they were, I was like, oh my gosh, she's growing dahlias. She has gladiolas. It was just, Like so exciting to me and because when I was in Seattle, I used to go to Pike's Place Market to buy my huge, beautiful bouquets and I missed those flowers living here. I love tropicals, don't get me wrong, but I just really miss like, you know, going out wandering and cutting um, wild um, daffodils and, you know, all the stuff. So, that kind of got me thinking, like, wow, I could maybe grow those flowers, and um, and then, like everybody, I went down the path of taking the florette course, and gardener's workshop, and I did all the things, and I started dabbling, and I wasn't trying to be on anybody's radar, but I didn't know that the florists here locally were hungry for these flowers. They just devoured them, so I put a couple of pictures on Instagram, and it went basically viral. It went crazy, and I I can't. I still, to this day, we keep like doubling our growing space every year, and we are still way behind the eight ball um, on on filling the demand. It's not wow. even close. Wow! Yeah, that is so interesting. So the
0: you started kind of playing with flowers seven or eight years ago, but when did you actually go hardcore? Like in the last three or four years?
1: Yeah, in 2019. So in okay. the spring of 2019 is when I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this as a business and see if I can sell these flowers. And that first season I only had 12 60 like double 60 foot rows or 12 60 foot rows that's all I had and half of those 12 I made perennial beds my first year I don't know what I was thinking um, but then because you're uh, still
0: you're like just now re- reaping the benefit of those probably right <laughs> yeah
1: for real I mean I don't I really don't know what I was thinking everybody says you know like plant perennials right away and that's a whole nother topic I could get into but so many things here in Hawaii perennialize that are not truly perennials. It's it's pretty crazy. Like basil, I have basil that just year, lives on forever. It would live on forever if I let it. Live on forever. That's crazy. Well, that's affordable, inn, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's snapdragons another perfect example. Snapdragons can live um you can you can cut good decent stems for over 12 months off of one snapdragon plant like wow. tall sellable cuts, you know. Wow. <laughs>
0: so, when you went viral, were people just florists on the big Island who were seeing, um, who are looking for Hawaii grown flowers or, um, what do you attribute that to other than a great feed?
1: Yeah. Thanks. It you know what it was, is the Allison at grace flowers and several other florists. Um, it was when tropical nouveau was kind of hitting everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You were seeing proteas on, um, on bridal bouquets in Tennessee, yeah. And so this, this, this look of like tropical nuva or the flowers I was growing was really hot. And because it was, all the florists here in Hawaii were all shipping in those things from all the distributors on the mainland. And we all know that a lot of those things don't ship well. And, yeah. you know, they come kind of meh. Some yeah. things do ship well, but some things don't. Like Dacus, for example, or Love and a Puff, or, you know, a lot or of these. Dalias is
0: a perfect example. They don't really ship well, right?
1: Yeah, you're right. Except for that, I've kind of tricked that little system, too, and I ship Dahlias uh, to the other Hawaii, Hawaiian islands. Um, and I do that via Hawaiian air cargo because I'm able to put it on a plane, and literally, like, an hour or two later, they're being picked up at the airport on the other island.
0: Yeah, it's super fresh, and it's not getting... Treated like a international jumbo jet uh, would treat a, a box. Exactly. So that's your that's a special niche too. Then. Yeah. So it's not yeah. even just the people like Allison Higgins of Grace Flowers Hawaii, who of course we love, and she's I think the original slow flowers member from the from the state. Like she's down the street from you, what maybe 20, 30 minutes, or is it the uh, other side of the island?
1: She's no, she's on the same side as me. Okay. She literally. Here's what's fabulous. So I live in Papaloa, Hawaii, which is on the Hamakua coast, about halfway between Hilo and Waimea. Allison is at Grace Flowers is in Honoka, and it's about halfway between where I live and where I work. And so is Ainahu'a Florals and several others. So I literally am dropping orders my whole way to school five days a week.
0: Oh, my gosh. You have just so, you've created this lifestyle for yourself yeah. that it almost, I know it's work, but it almost seems like it's, it's ready-made. Like it, you, you put your clients where you're already driving. That's brilliant.
1: It almost makes me, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, you know, when you start anything, you work so, so hard. Um, and now four years in, I almost feel like I it, we're doing it, you know, wow, like it, it's amazing. happening. And I would say for the first three years, just just from the farmer forest perspective, for the first three years, I, I kind of always felt like I was on defense. Like, like I. Like I was like, I, I would like maybe leave plants in the ground longer than I should just so I could cut that many more stems instead of ripping those and planting new ones. Uh, because I just felt like, you know, we're on this ride. And then it you was not
0: you couldn't like, pause long enough to go the next, to the next phase you, because you were, you'd have a gap then. I hear And you. then it was
1: about six months ago. I realized, whoa, whoa, I, I could, we got this. I'm going to do this and it's Okay. And uh, I got to be smart here about about the decisions we're making and where we're going. And it's been absolutely great. But I I would just encourage anybody who's feeling that feeling that like it's okay if you don't have the three white lilies this month for you know, Mary Jane, who needs it for a wedding. And that's okay. If you say it no, it's okay. I think I was feeling like I had to have it all. I needed to keep providing for everybody. Um, even though I'm not the one providing for everybody, there's lots of other really great, um, flower farms here, but you just have that feeling, right. That you just want to wow. keep providing for everybody and filling their wow. orders.
0: Well, with, with your property being 15 acres, um, from that original 12 beds that you planted, have you added more beds? Are you adding every season yeah like I said we've more than
1: doubled so every season we've more than doubled oh oh
0: my gosh all right I wasn't doing the math so you've got (laughs) well we'll see it on the video
1: (laughs) yeah you will it's crazy you know here for example my very first four years ago I had one dahlia row um this right now at this moment we have 24 uh and we're adding another 12 um in in just a couple of months so that's so insane yeah, we have over four thousand plants in the ground right at this moment.
0: So I have so many questions. One, I want to talk, go back to your point about the day length maybe being the only variable because you don't have seasons. Have you created your own like little version of of the twelve months of the year? And what it, what are your like Hawaii seasons? Um, because some of these plants prefer certain times over others, probably.
1: Yeah, you know, it really it really boils down to like. Um, this is going to sound like kind of geeky, but it's really about the science and then your gut instinct on it. Um, and it's funny, I mean, and this goes with so many things in Hawaii, for example, you know, you see everybody on the mainland digging up their tu- tuber clumps, right? And then they cut them all apart one by one by one. And then they store them a certain way. And I did all that the first year. And then I was like, this is crazy. Like, who has time to do all this? And I'm not gonna sell all these dahlia tubers. And so then I just my gut was like, wait a minute, what if I don't store them in anything? Literally. What if I just what if I just uh, put them in like a paper at lunch bag? And I tried it and it worked beautifully. And their eyes grew like cream. I mean, we leave them on the ground. They're like weeds here. Like there is no storing tubers in a certain temperature. With, with, with so certain- do, you,
0: do you dig some up and leave others in the ground just
1: to sort of see how they perform? So here's what's happened on our farm um, is that you'll see in the, in the tour that I use landscape fabric because we have lots of crazy grasses. Our farm used to be a um, sugar cane farm okay. years ago.
0: And is sugarcane's kind of like bamboo in, in its, like, aggressiveness?
1: Yeah. But what's happened is, is we don't have any sugarcane anymore, but what we do have is the aftermath of this, well, it's kind of an introduced grass called, we call it guinea grass. Um, and, and it grows taller than me, and it has these spiky spikes on it that, like, pierce into your skin and um so that grass is insane it's insane and it just takes over like in no time there is no way on our farm that we could keep up if I did not use landscape fabric so you know you have to pick and choose your battles and for me mm-hmm. it was using landscape fabric but because so the landscape
0: used- caver- fabric does suppress that that guinea grass
1: well, okay. what it does is it just lessens how much of it can actually be growing. It can only grow out of a <laughs> yeah. little tiny hole, which it does. It just completely chokes out anything anything if we don't get to it. Okay. Um, wow. So we joke, the girls on our farm, we joke about, you know, who's going to go around and get all the guinea grass clumps out if we can't keep up with them. Because they, they in weeks, it's already taller than you are.
0: Wow. That's
1: insane. It's
0: insane. So th- you brought that up as an example of, a, of sort of certain seasons then.
1: Yes. So, um, so yeah, the season, so the seasonality, I mean, yes, we do have seasons, but mm-hmm. if you can't, it's not like, uh, oh, the snow's coming or we have a first frost. We have no frost, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, especially at your
0: elevation, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So good point. So I have a friend. uh, She happens to be the teacher next door who lives in a place on this island that does get a frost. And we actually have some things that need frost growing on her farm. Oh, uh,
0: wow. Uh huh. Back to being finding a solution. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So that's super exciting. So last year we planted a bunch of tulips um, and daffodils in the ground up on her farm. And let's just say we have some things with roots that take several years to grow growing up on her farm. So we are uh we're excited for the prospects of that um and and that we have that opportunity because she does she's already had a frost this year, wow, so that's crazy that's really exciting wow. yeah, I think there's something like eleven right of the thirteen ISO biomes or whatever here on this island so um so it's really fascinating
0: uh, that's amazing that's why people love to come there um speaking of people who like to come there uh I would imagine that the wedding aesthetic has changed because. Um, it's not just people coming from the mainland to have their, their tropical or their destination beach wedding and, um, choosing maybe tropicals there, there's, there's more, there's more of a mix now. And that's what you meant about when you say tropical nouveau, you're talking about kind of um, herbaceous temperate plants mixed with traditional tropical flowers, right?
1: exactly yeah. yeah so
0: so are you competing then with um uh, like our florists i guess competing for uh, uh more flowers than ever before in their demand is that why the demand has exploded because the aesthetic has
1: changed uh i think it's the aesthetic and i also think that you know you know slow flowers right the yeah, whole slow the awareness flower
0: music, yeah it's that's huge great.
1: huge you know i for example i had this crazy idea because uh Well, I first got the idea because when you grow zinnias, you have 10,000 zinnias that are this tall, you know, and you need to keep cutting them to keep having them. And then I was like, wait a minute, those are edible? No way, that's crazy. So then I thought of this idea of having these flower bentos, edible flower bentos. And I think it was in like less than the first 60 days, we sold 100 flower bentos. And again, it wasn't anything that we, it it, it was our slough off, you know, I mean, every flower farmer has shorty flowers. That are edible, and um, so I called our, the state to make sure to see what legally I needed to do to sell edible flowers and not be tied to a commercial kitchen. And and we we so we have standing orders with cafes on this island year round. Um, with our flower bentos and then we also sell them constantly to caterers there's all kinds of specialty caterers on this island um and it's oh my expensive. gosh so creative yeah so you
0: um are are people using them uh, are it sounds like individuals buy them but it's mostly the culinary chef caterer baker bartender who wants wants to use them
1: Exactly. Oh, yep. It's amazing. Yeah. And what's, what's also super cool about it is that, um, for example, we just, we started doing weddings this last summer, uh, as well. And, um, and one thing that's super cool is that if you're a flower farmer, this is like, there's just so many things I, I'm so excited to share with you because I think there's so many little pockets that aren't shared about ways that. Like local flower farmers, no matter where you are, can just get into the market more, you know, yeah. tap into more people creatively. And um, so what's really cool is if you're a flower farmer, you have edible flowers if you're farming organically. You, all of your flowers, if they're edible, can be used. So you can be the segue of connecting, like, say, um, flowers on at the bar, right, at the wedding, mm-hmm. or the flowers on a cake. You can say, yeah, I've got that palette." And you can be the one to literally tie the color palette together for the entire wedding, no matter where you are. Just
0: full service. Yeah. Wow. You
1: you can do it. Not, not a wholesaler distributor. Their, their stuff is not, you know, organic.
0: Mm -mm. No. And it's kind of, it's kind of in alignment with what what I would imagine is a a wedding. That's all about place and season. It's, it's the flowers are from here and I'm getting married here. And um, that's what we want to see happen more and more. And and connecting people to nature, and they're at this in on ha- they're in Hawaii for goodness sakes. They need to connect with nature. Yeah, I love it. So yeah. that's interesting. Well, I was going to ask you if you defined yourself as a farmer florist, but n- now it sounds like you are you're committed to doing weddings.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know we. How does that look? Dis- yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother. I mean, I've been designing things for people since the get go. I, I I have always had a jar bouquet, a big market bouquet, which I, you know, kind of is my connection to Pike's place market. Just a really tall, big, full rack market bouquet. Yes. Love it. And so, and and then any special orders, we've been doing special order stuff um, since the beginning. Um, Flower bars. I mean, you name it, we've, we've kind of done it. But as far as like big weddings, Funny story is my very first wedding. I actually didn't even know it was a wedding. And um, this is true. I can't even, I I had had no idea. What, you thought you were going to a party and it turned into a wedding? Somebody contacted me on Instagram. They paid me directly. And I pull up to this gated house, which I now know to be a very famous house on the Kona side of our island. That is, has a most beautiful view. It is a beautiful venue, private residence that is rented out. Like I I think daily for weddings and I pulled up and I I didn't know. And I pull in and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And there's like caterers everywhere and everybody's setting up and musicians. And, and then um, the planner comes up to me, which I didn't even know there was a planner and said, okay, you're these bouquets are because it was ordered as all bouquets going into jars that are going to be prepared. I thought it was like a birthday party. I don't know. Right, right. And she goes, and one of those bookies is the bridal. And I was like, okay, okay. And I just acted like I knew. And so let's I, fluff that one up. <laughs> so luckily I, I was kind of like a pack rat. So in my car I had like everything. So I I just went down to my car and I re the whole thing into a into a bridal. And that that was my first wedding. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How did those people,
0: those people probably found you on Instagram. They did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's I, great. I,
1: I don't do anything but Instagram. You know, I, I, I don't there. I mm-hmm. I can't keep up with anything else, first mm-hmm. of all. And, um, I just, I, I'm a visual learner and I, that's what I love about Instagram is it's just so visual. Um, and, and I just love like beauty and, you know, positive stuff. So yeah,
0: you're putting it, it out there and, and, and it's, it's striking a chord with people. And these poor florists on the island who kind of had such limited choice for so long because of just, there weren't experimental growers, you know, until the last five years or so, they must just feel like, I don't know, revitalized with, with what they can create using your flowers.
1: Yeah. You know what's fascinating too is that now that I'm bridging more into the florist world, um, and I've been selling like we we have standing orders with wholesalers like Allison and Grace Flowers like year round. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, is and what I little trick that I do is I try to throw some stuff in when I can that they don't they don't because they don't know better. Right. right. So I just demo, so I put blushing lanterns in to one of Allison's buckets one time. And then she always does these really great like live videos teaching. Yes. how to gonna make hakus and stuff. Yeah. She was making a haku and I happened to get on there and watch it. And she goes. I don't know who, who who sent this in, but I love this stuff. I don't know what it's called. It was blushing lanterns. And I'm like, listen, it's me, Daisy Dukes. I sent that in. It's called blushing lanterns. Like, and 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 it works great in haku. So, I mean, not only is it something that's fantastic in bouquets and arrangements, but it's fantastic in in all the Hawaiian adornments that we have here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and- I don't
0: think I know what blushing lantern is. Do you? Can you describe it?
1: Yeah, the um, these guys. I happen to have one in this bouquet.
0: You know these guys? Uh, oh, oh my goodness! I is there like little? Oh my god, they're beautiful! I've never really seen them before. They're little. Yeah. they look like little poppy pods or yeah. nigella pods, but they aren't they
1: the cutest?
0: Oh, they're look adorable. At stem
1: length and they're a perennial. Oh, so wow! They're they're just the cutest, sweetest little danglier, and I just love them. I just love a little, you know, like little touches of magic. Yes. That's what, yes. when you see a bouquet that has it, you're like, what? You and, know, and
0: people are drawn in. They're so curious about what it is.
1: Oh. Exactly, exactly. Amazing. And amazing. And they don't know. They don't know. Another thing here in Hawaii that is kind of an interesting uh, crop is eucalyptus. So you can no longer ship in eucalyptus or anything in the myrtle family, um, either seed or plant uh, or, um, or cutting. And so... Uh, oh florists, you know, this has been happening now for a couple of years, but the eucalyptus is kind of the new new thing that you can't get your hands on. And why is
0: that? Is there just
1: some kind of um, phytosanitary issue with that? They think that there's a rust that is coming in on it that then is getting passed around. Okay. I happen to be friends with some of the egg people here. Um, We have really great conversations. And I happen to be growing quite a bit of eucalyptus. And that's one of the things that there's like, for example, a florist on Oahu who literally will buy every stem I'll ship him. And, um, he has two, two stores on Oahu because you just, the
0: the look is what people want and how, how do you, what do you replace it with? So you've got this, this, this negative that you're turning into a positive.
1: Yeah. And one more little thing about that is that, you know, florists call silver dollar eucalyptus the floppy silver dollar, which I call floppy. And then farmers call silver, you silver, you know, silver dollar, it's like more firm and so there's these funny nuances between florists and growers, farmers. and yeah. i'm I'm working really hard, too, to help share like okay I know you guys call this this thing or this thing this thing but this is what we call it as a grower you know or they'll tell me like oh I really want you to grow this and they'll send me a picture from a wholesaler on the mainland but I can't even find the scientific name to treat it try to even figure out what the what the seeds are what the plant is to try to grow that thing because it kind of has its own name a lot of times so that's a whole other thing I'm wow trying so to help.
0: it makes sense that eucalyptus would it seemed to me that it would do really well in Hawaii because it grows so well in Southern California I, similar enough right
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It grow, again. So we so we have um, lots of varieties of eucalyptus here that just grow wild all over the island, like in Australia. Oh. They're really oh, huge, okay. tall eucalyptus. It's just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Seeded eucalyptus. Yeah. It's you You just cut the leaves off and you've got seeded or you can leave the leaves if you want. So like a lot of my table runners I make, I'll go and forage that seeded eucalyptus. And then I have all of the I think I have like about 20 varieties of eucalyptus that I grow wow. um, for florists. Wow. Um, and I, I have some here. And I just um, then go like supplement with what I'm growing uh, to add to to like table runners or anything that we're doing. Wow.
0: So uh, I, oh my gosh, I can't wait to visit you because uh, I'm hoping to come to the Big Island in March. So Yay! let me come visit if it's, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so fascinated with your personal story, being a first grade teacher um, and a flower farmer, like she's already busy, but let's add another job to her plate. Tell me how you juggle your life and, and how have you been teaching for a long time? You said your son went to all through school from kindergarten to 12th grade at this school. So you've been teaching for at least that long, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. This is my 17th year here teaching wow. first grade. And um, funny enough, my I, um, I actually came to Hawaii on... Um, and to be a marine biologist, and I worked down at a place called Dolphin Quest for five years before I taught here at Parker School. Okay. And my parents are both teachers, and I said I would never be a teacher. And then um, my son was here for kindergarten, and then they needed a new first grade teacher <clears throat> after one year of having a lower school open. And the kindergarten teacher said, "Hey, you should apply." And I was like, "No way! I'm a marine biologist. I wear a swimming suit to work every day. You know, like Baywatch." And uh, <laughs> that's and I, quite the. Big and I, yeah, and I applied, and I've been here ever since.
0: That's crazy. But it fit your lifestyle as a mom, probably, to have the yeah, same so they, schedule as your son.
1: Exactly. And my and it's a private school. And I was paying the tuition the year before. You know, it just checked everything for us. Um, wow. And so the fact that I could be, I was, so my very first year of teaching, I was teaching my son. And I was also teaching my niece, coincidentally enough, was in the same class. So out of 15 students that first year, two, one, I was an aunt to one and a mom to one <laughs> and 13 others. And uh, that was a wild ride. But- um, luckily i'm still here today and yeah it's just it's just a really fantastic mix you know um mm-hmm. and and what i'm realizing more and more too is that this kind of well what people are saying to me is like you can teach like you know how to teach you've been a teacher to young children for so long that you like we do workshops on the farm for example of like how to start seeds right. and and then people tag men all their stuff that they're growing now um, at their houses and I'm like that's what i want to do i just want to share and make it easier because, our, our, for example, where you can buy seed packets here on our Island. And I know that this is the, tr- you know, the case in so many places, it's stuff that doesn't really even grow here. Some of it, or, or oh. it's available in the, in the winter when it's really a summer crop or vice versa. Right, right. You know? Right.
0: So you just want people to, you want to set them up for success and the seed packet is not going to necessarily do that because it's kind of geared more for Northern hemisphere uh you know, growers um, or mainland growers, at least.
1: Yeah. Again, it's all about your uh, frost date. We don't, have, okay, that <laughs> doesn't help us. You know, everything, literally every seed packet engages it on a That on is a frost
0: so date. true. Every seed packet talks about your first or last frost date. So oh. my goodness. Um, I love that you have uh, so seamlessly just put all these skills together. And even knowing that you study marine biology, I know that's when you go back to your comment about the science, like that yes. your, your skills are being employed to understand how your land works and what your, what your zone is like and how to work with the land and not fight it. So yeah, I love that. Exactly. I applaud that.
1: Yeah, it's cool. You know, who knew that? Who knew? I mean, I had, I could not have told you that this is what I would be doing um, or that it would be, you know, it's just, it's, I literally every day, right. I wake up and I can't believe that this is the life I'm living. You know, I, my favorite quote is she designed the life she loved to live. That's been my favorite quote forever. And then I added this little part on, then she lived it. It's like, you've got mm. to li- you know, whatever your passion is mm. like, like you, you can do it. And, and, and it's a lot of work, but, but you, you, you got this, you know, you, wow. you can do it. And I know wow. so often too, like in the flower world, there's kind of this thing of like, yeah, but everybody shows the beauty and nobody shows the yucky parts. But it's, I guess, because I'm a first grade teacher, I read so many fairy tales, we can infer the yucky parts, okay? Do we really have to show all the yucky? I I mean, I think we know like that the, you know, the evil witch is probably pretty nasty uh, off the pages of the book and the fairy tale. So we know that farming is not all this utopic, wonderful beautiness. There's also, yucky, you know, dirty parts and rain or whatever but even still even still in those moments just to be able to like work with soil Mm -hmm. is still so beautiful Mm
0: -hmm. it lead with beauty that's what people are enchanted by and I mean there's you do live in uh, a place that uh, there's you know sort of already set up for fantasy imagination um I know it's not reality necessarily, but it's nice <laughs> that you can at least grow beautiful flowers for people and help them, I don't know, celebrate everyday life or yeah. a special or, or a marriage. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Well, this is just scratching the surface. So we're going to have to do some other stories about <laughs> what you're doing, Christian, um, because I know we're going to share a video that you're um, uh, providing that will give us a little bit of a tour of Daisy Duke's flower farm. And um We'll make sure when we post this that we'll share all your social places so people can follow along. Even though you say it's mainly Instagram, you have a website, so we can yeah. uh, we can stalk that. <laughs> uh, and thank you for saying at the end of the day in your classroom to to record this with me. And um, we're I'm, when we post this at Slow Flowers podcast.com. Uh, I'll make sure that I have all of sort of all of those, uh, bonus content, including maybe some photos that I can get from you of that, Absolutely. Uh, that edible bento box. Cause that sounds yeah. wild too. Uh, anything else that you want to share? Like, what are you going to do for the holidays? I'm just so curious, uh, of if, you know, it is winter winter is different in Hawaii. So do, how do you pivot and do something for Thanksgiving or Christmas that, makes it feel like, I don't know, Hawaii version of that.
1: Yeah. So luckily I've kind of figured out how to grow dahlias year round. So we just keep, yeah, without lights. Oh, one more thing I probably should share. I live off the grid. I don't have regular power. Um, I don't have irrigation (laughs) hardly. Um, Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. Um, Okay. So maybe the
0: video we'll, we'll touch on some of that in the video to so people can believe it. When they hear you say that.
1: Yeah. So so for the holidays. So Thanksgiving is next week. And yeah. so um, I happen to have a lot of pumpkins right now. And so I am going to. We're doing like a live Zoom next Wednesday night. Um, and people can just go on to um, Instagram and DM us. Um, and it's already half sold out. I just okay. talked about it, I think, yesterday the day before. And that way, everybody. I, I just thought of this idea because I just thought it'd be so fun for everybody to have you know, be in your jammies and have a cocktail if you want. Have your kids in the background; it's 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 cool. And um, I'm just going to share just really fun, um, light design tips. And we're going to carve pumpkins and make like a full um, like centerpiece. So people will be picking up their kits from us next week, Wednesday in two different towns around the Island. And then that night we'll have a live zoom. And then I'm going to record a little mini version because nobody wants to watch the live zoom. If you can't make the zoom, you're yeah. kind of like you know, not at the party, but at the party. And so, <laughs> so we'll do that. So that's what we're doing for um, Thanksgiving. And then Christmas. Um, I think I'm bringing back wreaths again. I, every, I've been watching everybody on the mainland doing wreaths. And I am thinking of doing like a Hawaiian version of wreaths, a wreath workshop. Uh, yes. I've been, yeah, I've been drawing lots of things, but I also love like gravilia and proteas and antheriums. And, and um, so, so I have another house besides our farm and that yard is filled with a lot of tropicals and I go there and forage a lot when I need to. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll go there and kind of make a Hawaii version yeah. of uh, wreaths into a Hawaii. Wreath.
0: Well, and all those things that you mentioned do so well out of water that it makes, that makes a, like a perfect fit for something that might hang on your door for a couple weeks or, you know, on your porch or whatever. Love that. Yeah. We'll look for those. We'll look for those photos too into, into December. Uh, Thank you so much. It's been just a delight to connect with you, Uh, Christian. You're just, you're, you're, you're so inspiring. And I think you're going to really trigger a lot of uh, a lot of people to take that saying you said, and um, it, maybe it needs to be embroidered and or put on a t-shirt because I, that's really special.
1: Yeah, thank you. I. It's, this is um, so surreal for me personally. I, I've listened to your podcast for years, and today I thought I'm going to see her in real life. Like this is <laughs> this is unbelievable. Life is so amazing. So thank you for this opportunity.
0: Oh, and thank you for saying yes. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Much for joining us today. Please check out episode 586 on slowflowerspodcast.com. To enjoy the beautiful farm and flowers gallery that Christian shared with us, along with the video, you can check out links to her social media places so you can continue to follow the fascinating story of Daisy Duke's flower farm. Our next thank you goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayash.com. Well, tomorrow is December 1st, and we will be opening up the early bird registration for the Slow Flower Summit 2023. We will extend a $100 off discount to everyone, both the members of the society and the general public, who pre-register for the summit through December 31st. Take advantage of this offer to lock in your registration and enjoy end-of-year savings. As our sixth Slow Flower Summit, the event is scheduled for June 26th and 27th. 2023, Returning to the Seattle area where it all began in 2017. Keep an eye out for our announcements in your inbox and on social media, including our Instagram account at Slow Flower Summit. You'll want to follow us there for up to the minute information about the summit, our program, our fantastic speakers, and bonus features that we'll be adding in the coming months. Links to all of these places can be found in the show notes for episode 586, at slyflowerspodcast.com. It's going to be our best summit ever. Our final sponsor thank you goes to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists, like Christian Ingalls of Daisy Duke's Flower Farm. Online education is more important than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardener'sworkshop.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 900,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brinland. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then.